0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode number 205 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. So we are all about overcoming obstacles. We're about defying the odds and helping you clear the path of whatever roadblocks, whatever obstacles are in your way from what it is that you really want to accomplish. So if you're brand new, if you're joining me over on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. If you're joining the live stream on either of my Facebook pages, please like and share. If you're, if you're brand new, stick all the way to the end because I guarantee you're going to get something that you can take away. Because every episode I have, I have a guest from all over the world. So I have, I've had guests from six different continents or from 30 different countries, 32 different countries, And everyone brings a unique perspective. I can take a topic like mindset, and we can have 200 different avenues to take on mindset or just even overcome an obstacle. So if that sounds like this is up your alley, then make sure sure you stick to it. Watch it all the way through. If you don't think it's up your alley, I challenge you to stick to it, and I guarantee we're going to change your mind. All right? So let me give you a little bit about me, and then we'll get going on with the show. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what, like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. You've got to know your worth. Right, before I bring my guest on, you know we have to do the teachable moment of the day. And today's teachable moment is I challenge you, stop doubting yourself. Okay, Stop doubting yourself. You are more than enough. You are all that you need, and you have everything that you need right now in your mental arsenal to reach the success that you want to reach. Because again, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know I am a three-time college dropout, but yet I mentor people with master's degrees and PhDs because I found other ways to get myself educated from going to mastermind, from reading, from listening to videos, finding the top minds in the fitness and marketing industries and learning from them and I was able to piece together my own level of education to where now I can go out and help other people have the success that they want to so stop thinking that you need to go and do something else or you need to learn something else well you may need to learn something else but but just don't think you have to go back to school and get another get a, another degree you already have it. it's right on the tip of your tongue that one thing that can completely change your life. And what was that one thing for me? Speaking. <laughs> I had, I've always been a good speaker. I've always been a strong speaker, uh, but I took some speaker bootcamp classes and learned to take speaking and turn it into storytelling. Because once you get into storytelling, you can now inspire other people. And so what is that one unique gift that you have that You can teach someone else or that you can use to inspire someone else. Lean into that gift, and then you're going to watch your life change. So if you're someone who you might be in a successful career, but you're unfulfilled, step into what that gift is that you can help other people because now your life has a higher purpose. All right, so that's today's Teachable Moment. And I believe we're going to get into some of what I just mentioned with today's guest. So he is the creator of the Craftsman Creative. And his name is Darren Smith. So welcome to the show, sir.
1: Thanks so much, man. Man, you are an intense dude. You've <laughs> got a lot <laughs> of energy you bring to this
0: show. <laughs> Every, everyone always says that, <laughs> you know, but that's what it's all about. You know, it's about recognizing what are you good at? You know, because most people can look in a mirror and talk about all the things they suck at. But it's like, <laughs> what are you good at? Because you only have to be good at one thing, and you step into that one thing, and your whole world can change. Am I wrong?
1: Very, very true. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> All right. So wh- where are you joining me from?
1: So I am calling in from Provo, Utah. You Provo. ever heard of Provo, Utah before?
0: I've, I've heard of Provo, Utah. <laughs> you are my fourth guest in the last right. two weeks from Utah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. we're a bunch Yesterday's of hustlers guests. here in Utah. We like, we like to go after it, so...
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, I've been there once in 2018. The uh, transplant games was in Salt Lake City. Oh, nice! But but I didn't really get much time to sightsee. Like I I flew in and flew out. I mm-hmm. flew in Saturday morning. I flew out Monday morning. Yeah. But uh from That's what amazing. I saw though, I did like it. Like I definitely want to want to go back and explore again in the summer.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> an amazing, amazing place. I've been here since 2001. I grew up in California but this is my home now. I think once you live in a state or a place for longer than the place you grew up, you kind of have to adopt. I like to say I'm a Californian, but man, I (laughs) feel like I should probably start saying I'm a Utahan. (laughs) It doesn't roll off the tongue. It doesn't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So true. All right. So you said, so you're originally from California. So what brought you to Utah?
1: Yeah. So I always, always from, as you know, you could say the womb, but like from the youngest age I can remember, I always wanted to be in a creative industry. It started in music. I I grew up going to the Sacramento Jazz Jubilee with my grandparents and watching people up on stage, play saxophone, play trumpet, sing the doo-wop stuff. And I was just like, that's pretty amazing. So that was like the context I grew up in. And so I got into music and I got into performing and I got into all this stuff. And I got a saxophone scholarship to go to Brigham Young University here in Pro nice. So that's what brought me out here was okay. I was a saxophone performance major for the first semester. or So until nice. I quickly realized I did not want to pursue playing saxophone as a career, it was a ton of fun in school. Um, but it wasn't a career for me. And that became very apparent in college. But that's what brought me out here. And then, you know, I just kind of kept pursuing Whatever it was that I was after, I didn't know at the time, but I knew that I wanted to do something creative. I knew I wanted to be in a creative industry. I knew I didn't want a boss. I knew I wanted to work for myself. I liked having all that independence and freedom. I wanted financial freedom. I wanted time and location independence. I wanted to choose and have some control over people I worked with. And it, it's been an interesting road since that point. That's, you know, we're talking almost 20 years ago, actually, wow, 20 years since I started college. <laughs> so it's been quite the path and journey since then. But it was interesting how those things that I knew that I wanted going into college have have still kind of played out 20 years later.
0: Absolutely. it's called a and- teaser. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I like getting the guests backstories, because it, it gives me a lot more insight into what they're doing now myself in in the audience you so, know cuz most people have a set of something you know set of ideas not necessarily goals but maybe ideas of what they want to do mm-hmm. and then they usually fall into something different and then what they want to do just tends to surface later on in life cuz same with myself i i knew i wanted to do something with people, like some type of entertainer. Maybe I wanted to be on TV. Maybe I wanted to sing, be a rapper, be a DJ, just (laughs) something with entertainment. And then I fell into uh, the restaurant management trap. (laughs) So as I was saying in my open-ish field, because that was me, like I I put myself in that box thinking like, all right, without a college degree, I'm not going to be able to do anything. And so I just kept managing restaurants and trying to climb the ladder that way and maybe I can become a regional manager. And and then it's like my dad, God rest his soul. I, my dad is like, why do you want to aspire to be that? You know, he's like, what's his boss making? What's his boss making? What's the CEO making? He's like, you know, don't, don't settle for middle of the pack. And that just rang in my head. But I put those blockers on myself because I didn't have that college degree. And mm. I finally was like, you know what? There's people with college degrees who are in jail right now. I was like, so I need to take those blinders off and figure out how I'm going to get myself there. And the best way is to get started.
1: Oh, <laughs> is to
0: so get started. Like so many people have these gifts, but they're afraid to start because again, because of those limiting beliefs. So did you find you dealing with that as you were getting started on your journey?
1: Absolutely. You know, you've reminded me of a quote that I love, which is it's from Tony Robbins. And he's a guy, a big, big guy who has really accomplished a ton in his life and kind of synthesized so much knowledge and understanding in different industries. But he has this quote where he says success is 80 percent mindset, only 20 percent skills and strategy. Yes. And in that skills and strategy, I would include your education, your experience, your college degree, your titles. Right. mindset. It's exactly what you just said. It's as soon as you took away those limiting beliefs and realizing you were the one putting those limiting beliefs in front of you that were preventing you from progressing, then it all opened up. I definitely had that experience myself. So, you know, the short version of like how I got to where I'm at now, because I work as a film and TV producer. I founded a company that we'll talk about and I'm an author. So like I've done a lot in the last 20 years since going to college to figure it all out right yeah but to speak specifically to that there was a time in my life it was 2019 sorry 2017 and i felt this is how i describe it i felt like i was physically punching a cement wall trying to break through i felt like my knuckles were bloody like my bones were breasted and broken and shattered like I had gone through so much that year. I had a business partner that kind of threw me under the bus and I had to part mm-hmm. ways with them. I went 15 grand into debt, trying to keep that business afloat, personal debt, not yeah. business debt, personal mm-hmm. debt. So I didn't get to split it with them. And that when I left, I had to eat that. <laughs> yeah. And I was just in a place where I felt like this is not where I wanted to be by the time I'm whatever, 35 or 30 years old. And it really was hard. And what happened was this moment where I felt like somebody grabbed me by the shoulders, pulled me two, three steps back to look at this wall I was trying to punch through with my bare hands Mm -hmm. and realizing that it wasn't a a huge, long wall. It was this little sliver that was as wide as my perspective. It was three feet wide. And I was sitting here trying to bust through it. And all of a sudden, with that little bit of extra perspective, I realized, all I needed to do was take a step to the right and walk around this brick wall or cement wall that I was trying to, to bust through. And as soon as I did that, which is similar to what we're talking about, removing those limiting beliefs, everything opened up. And all of a sudden, I went from five-figure-a-year creator to six-figure-a-year creator, to starting two businesses, to producing a feature film. Having trying to After trying to do that for 12 years, as soon as I removed those limiting beliefs... Man, it was like people were calling me to produce movies. I didn't have to knock on doors and, you know, do the hustle and everything anymore. So it's such a thing that is like a foundational thing that I believe that we do a lot of this stuff to ourselves. If we're stuck, if we're frustrated, if we're um, just desperate to change our situation, we really have to start with, well, what are the things that we believe about ourselves about the economy, about our industry, about the marketplace that we're in, about all the things that limit us. And really just asking the question is that really true? I had this belief that I only wanted to make million dollar and up movies. I didn't want to make independent, low budget, quote unquote, crappy movies. Yeah. And there were plenty of other producers and directors that went out and made three, four, five movies in the decade that I was trying to produce movies because I had this limiting belief that I only wanted to do this one kind of movie. Yeah. As soon as I removed that, the first movie I got called to produce was $750,000 budget. And the second one is a million dollar budget. So already in two movies, I got to where I wanted to be. I could have done that a decade ago, <laughs> Yes, but I did it to myself.
0: Yes. And part of that too, is just from upbringing. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we're, we're told you, you got to go to school, get the degree. You got to work hard. If if you need more money, you pick up a second job or you pick up a side hustle. And that's what we're told. It's like when I f- first started the fitness business, you know, like to me, making a $100,000 was going to be like, you know, years of work and years of work because you go back to. You know, your first job, well, my first job was making like $26,000 a year. I mean, we're talking back in the, the late 80s, you know, late 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s. And, you know, economy was a little different back then. But just still, you start thinking, God, I'm going to have to work like four years to even gross 100 grand. And then getting into the fitness business, you know, the goal for the year was to make 100 grand. and we And we made it by June. <laughs> and I was like, "Wait a minute! That wasn't hard at all. Yeah. You know, not at all. But but when you have that employee mindset, it seems like it's such a stretch. And then now you get into coaching and consulting, where you're selling thousand dollar programs, twenty five hundred dollar program, or even five five to ten thousand dollar program. Like if you have a ten thousand dollar program, you only need to sell two, two per month." You know, two per month and you have a have a six like you're gonna net six figures. I know with just it's two. Crazy. It's like there's seven billion people on the planet, you only need to find two per month. <laughs> you know, to reach like just think about that. Yeah. And just like the average employee, they don't have that mindset. And I was there, I was there for the longest time, and you don't realize how easy it is until you do it.
1: Amazing, man. It's so true. Nothing In our industry, in our life, in our career, is inherently good or bad, easy or hard. There's nothing that comes attached with an event or a person or a thing or a client or whatever. So, you take something like, you know, I had this incident where my business partner and I had to split. I had to leave the business because of what happened. Yeah. So, the details are not important, but it was enough for me to leave a, a nearly 10 year partnership. Okay. And was that inherently good or bad? Well, neither. There's nothing about that event or that situation that was inherently good or bad. It was all what I chose to make out of it. Yes. The same thing happened in 2020. And I think you and I have the sim- have a similar experience where things changed in March, April of
0: 2020. Oh
1: yeah. and Most people <laughs> listening to this could say probably the same thing about Their jobs, their businesses, their finances, their emotional health, like all those (laughs) things. So fast forward to April, March, April 2020. I'm working as a film and TV producer. I'm on a TV show as a senior producer. We're supposed to film the season of television three weeks from the moment that we get furloughed because of COVID. so mid-march we get sent home they're saying oh we'll be back by april 1st which is what everybody said april 1st comes and they go well we're not going out and filming in two weeks because covid so we had four months where we got furloughed from the tv show now luckily from 2017 to 2019 i had done a good job like fixing my situation i paid off all that debt that i incurred in 2017 I made more money than I ever had before as a producer because I was solo. I wasn't splitting my revenues 50-50 with a business partner anymore. So I immediately doubled my revenue, Uh, (laughs) leaving that business. (laughs) But I had to start from zero. I wasn't a a full-time freelance producer. So I was starting from scratch. So I have this gig. We get furloughed for four months. And I have this opportunity to look at the situation and go, what am I going to choose to do with this? Because COVID isn't inherently good or bad. There's definitely a lot of crap that has come with COVID. Way too many people have died. Way too many families have suffered and struggled because of COVID, whether it's people coming home and working at home and that strained the relationship or financially strained. I've seen too many people go through divorces. I've had friends who have parents who have passed away, close people that I know who have died from COVID. So like, there's plenty of bad stuff. But what does it mean for you? This isn't discounting all the bad stuff that happened. I want to be clear there that I'm not trying to be heartless. But in that moment, we all had a decision to make. And a lot of people that I know in my sphere of influence, musicians and artists and photographers and filmmakers and writers, people in creative fields that I had been working with and just considered friends, it was probably 80% of them freaked out and didn't know what to do. And so they retreated. They didn't take action. They retreated and they waited for someone to save them. They waited for the government to send a check. They waited for their boss to call them back and give them money again, right? They want to work. They want to get paid. And they waited. Now, again, that's not inherently good or bad either. Some people really needed some time off because they were burnt out. So again, not good or bad. This isn't a judgment call. But there were 20% of us that decided, I have an opportunity here and thinking back to different times like look at 2007 and 8 look at 2000 2001 look at you know the 80s look at the great depression some of the most impressive and um, biggest businesses were started in these moments of depressions yes. or recessions and i thought to myself okay i was too young for the dot com boom to take care of like to like take advantage of that and capitalize on it in 2008 9 i was you know wed, I was in my mid late 20s. I was still kind of getting my footing as far as what I wanted to do. Do I want to do music? Do I want to do sound? Do I want to do film? I was still kind of like not I was still figuring it out. So I wasn't in an opportunity or an opportunistic place at the time to capitalize on that recession. So now COVID happens. I know who I am. I know what I'm doing. I know the value I bring to the industry that I work in. Holy crap, this is an opportunity. And that's what I chose to believe or tell myself or choose to act accordingly with when Mm -hmm. that happened. So in the summer of 2020, I started Craftsman Creative, and we'll talk about that. I started another business with my brother and started forming these relationships because I knew that film was going to take a hit throughout 2020, especially in Utah. It's a big film um, state. There's a lot of film work that comes here. Disney and HBO and Netflix and Hallmark and all these different networks will come and shoot here. And I'm like, okay, as soon as this picks back up, they're going to need producers. They're going to need people who can do budgets and put crews together and find locations. And like, I want to be that guy. So everything starts coming back February of 2021. I get a call. I need you to produce our movie because of all the work that I'd done over the last six, eight months leading up to that, talking about this is the work that I do. This is the value I bring And all of a sudden, that opportunity, that mindset of taking advantage of an opportunity or creating an opportunity paid off. And now I'm working full time and I have two businesses. And I have last year was the best year I've ever had revenue wise. And we're still in the middle of a freaking pandemic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Saying that's called top of mind awareness. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what that is. It's all about positioning. And when I'm working with people, And one of the first things they say is, well, you know, I don't really have the experience or I don't really have that. I'm like, stop, 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 stop right there. Even when I'm training new fitness coaches, I tell them, I'm like, listen, when you go out there for your first class, the second you walk into that gym, you have all the power in the world. Don't hand it over, (laughs) you know, because they're going to look at you as the expert. Yeah. You have to go in there and you have to position yourself. Yeah, this might be your first class. You might be nervous, but they don't know that. They see you as the leader of the class. And so I tell people, if you're gonna start a podcast and you're nervous and you don't know, just get in front of the camera and own it. <laughs> you know, and just own it in any situation. If you act like you belong and you can and you know your stuff, people will view you as the expert. Until you prove them wrong. (laughs) You know what I mean? So if you get up there and you just own your stuff. Like I remember I went to a meeting at the Northern Rhode Island Chamber of Commerce. Now I'm a gym owner. I dress like this all the time. (laughs) It's like this this is my business card. And I have everything I have logo. My my winter hat has a logo, my my sweatpants, everything. I you know, I have it all, socks. And so I walk in for those the-
1: listening on the podcast. He's showing off his massive biceps right now. In a <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome. And so I, I walk into this meeting and everyone's got three piece suits on. And then I come in with my, my sweatsuit on, you know, with my RV and you could cut the judgment with a knife. You know, I walk in and look at me up and down. I was the only person of color in there oh, and, and, And like I said, you could just cut the judgment with a knife. But at the end of that meeting, everybody was seeking me out for contact info, for business cards, because when it was my turn to speak, I owned that room, you know? So just because things may not look the way you want them to look, you know, like I said, you present yourself, you present yourself powerfully, everyone's going to take notice. Absolutely.
1: So I want to gently touch on what you just said because some people would see the way you dress the way you look the color of your skin is a disadvantage and i am not downplaying the re- realities of the disadvantages that yeah. exist i'm a for again for those of you who can't see me i'm a very privileged 38 year old white man living in utah i'm dripping with privilege and i recognize that but you sir chose to see it as an opportunity you, you walked in and said, I'm different than anyone else here. I'm the only one who looks, sounds, talks, behaves like the way I do. And you chose to bring your energy to that moment and you capitalized on it. You created opportunity. So the whole point of this part of the conversation is how important mindset is. Yes. No matter what you do, if you're an employee, if you're a business owner, if you're a creative, if you're an aspiring, any of those things, your mindset is so important to the success you're going to realize in your life. And the sooner you can remove any like anything that you believe is holding you back, the only thing holding you back is yourself.
0: Yes. Yes. So I want to mm-hmm. before I ask you this next question, how would your best friend describe you? <laughs> um,
1: probably disciplined. That's a that's a word I hear <laughs> often. It comes down to how, like how it plays out in conversations like how did you do so much last year? How did, how were you able to do all the things you did last year? So in it, take any of the last three or four years, I produced two seasons of television as a senior producer. I produced a TV pilot. I produced a feature film. I started two businesses in a calendar year. I wrote a book in three months last year.
0: Nice.
1: I'm producing another feature right now. Like after this call, I'm going into production meetings with the team that I hired and created a budget for and a schedule for like, I'm doing all these big projects in a calendar year, four or five big projects a year. How do you get it done? Well, it's discipline. It's figuring out a system that works for me because I am a creative person, but I'm probably 50, 50 left brain, right brain. So I understand how to shift into creative mode and like work like a lion, so to speak, and just sprint and get stuff done and let all this creative energy out onto the page. But I also understand that I could do that and be broke.
0: <laughs> just pu- just
1: pouring my heart out on the page That's true. <laughs> doesn't get me anywhere. You could produce 200 podcasts, but if you don't have a strategy for distribution and finding people to connect with and have on your show and grow the thing, then where are you going to end up in five years, 10 years? Like you understand it as well because you're hustling and you're putting all of those things together And it requires a ton of discipline and it really speaks to, you called this, uh, this stream today, the three personas that every creative business owner needs. And that's what we're talking about is that you can be an artist, a creative person, you can be a speaker, you could be a podcast host, you can be any type of thing, but if you're not also stepping into the mindset or the persona of an entrepreneur and a manager at times, then you're going to be stuck. You're create you created unbeknownst to you, you created this artificial ceiling of how much you can grow because you're only thinking like an artist or a creator. Yes. Now, this is a concept that was brought up by uh, um, Michael Gerber in the book E-Myth Revisited. So he talks about this in that book and he's really talking about like franchise businesses and stuff like that. But you can absolutely apply any principle in any book. To yourself. And that's a superpower if you can do that. Yes. So I took that idea. And when I was writing my book, this became like a really um, popular topic. When I was publishing the chapters in real time as I was writing them, people really resonated with this one. And people were sharing it in their newsletters and retweeting it on Twitter and putting it all over the place because it resonates. If you're just an artist, quote unquote, just an artist, and you're never thinking about the managerial stuff, your finances, your taxes, your strategy and systems for how do you get new clients? How do you get work delivered on time? How do you increase your prices and your profitability? If you never think about that from a managerial standpoint or stepping into a manager persona, call it once a week or once a month where you're like, I'm going to do my finances today and I'm going to freaking love it because I'm going to step into the managerial persona and managers love spreadsheets. <laughs> you might hate them as the biz- as a creator or as an artist or as a speaker But if you step into that persona, then for that hour or two or four that you're going to be a manager, you're going to love those freaking spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. But you're also going to be limited if you only ever show up as an artist or a manager. So at times, whether it's annually or quarterly or monthly, you got to step up and think like an entrepreneur. What does the entrepreneur do? What's that persona about? Well, it's about vision. It's about growth. It's about possibility. It's about partnerships and connections and opportunities and creating things. Not the day-to-day creation, but I'm going to create a business out of thin air. I'm going to create a book. I'm going to create a movie. I'm going to create a business. That's the entrepreneur. And everyone thinks about it sometimes, but we have to do it consciously and on a regular enough frequency to where it helps us to grow our businesses the way that you were able to pivot from gym owner to podcast host is because you saw a vision for yourself of what do I want my life to look at, look like in six months, a year, five years, 10 years. I want to remove myself from having to be on site and being trading time for dollars. I want to remove the dependency people have on me. I want independence, whatever it was for you. We all go through that, but that's the entrepreneur showing up and going, what do I want life to look like next year, five years from now? And then, coming up with some semblance of a plan, like we're going to kind of take this path. But then the entrepreneur hands it off to the manager and says, figure it out. Create a plan for us. Create a system. Tell us which directions we need to go, north, south, east, west. And the manager does that. And then he hands it off to the artist and says, cool, start walking.
0: (laughs) I love that. We're
1: heading north. The (laughs) entrepreneur said, we're we're heading north. I'm going to keep the pace and manage the compass and make sure we're in the right direction. The artist is the one who's showing up every day putting
0: the pack on and making the mile
1: long trek every single day, day after day, after day.
0: Love that. So I want to touch on a couple of things you said. So first for me, honestly, it was, what do I want to leave behind? You know, like, think about it. Nostradamus died in the 16th century. People still talk about this dude today. We're mm-hmm. <laughs> Talking 500 years later, you know, yeah. so it's like, what, like what do I want to leave behind? So with these videos, these videos are going to be around forever. You know, so like, even if YouTube goes down, I still have the videos. Right. So it's like, you know, I'll have content for a lifetime. Long after I'm gone, this content is still going to be here to motivate people, to inspire people. And you said a keyword and I was hoping that you said it. You said show up. That's what matters. How you show up is everything, everything. Because whenever I'm in any, any group of people, people know I'm the leader. It's like, Mm. they just know, they can tell. like, people will come in and they'll come right to me. Hey, are are you in charge here? I'm like, yes, I am. Because they know. (laughs) It's like, I have that persona. (laughs) I walk in the door. I don't walk in the door trying to be like everyone else. And this isn't like a better than anyone else type of thing. I step into who I am. I am a natural born leader. And being in the restaurant industry, nothing against the industry, but even as a manager, even as a general manager, I still had to answer to other people Mm -hmm. and that didn't always work for me. (laughs) So especially if things didn't make sense and I only share that because there's people out there. Like my target for this show is those people who are out there, your inner career, you're having some success, but you're not fulfilled. You know, Mm -hmm. like I shared these stories talking to that person, you know, like when I want to get into the heart of your backstory to get through to that person it's like, like I can take this skill set and transfer it into something that lights my soul on fire. You know, so like if you go to work every day, but if you're not showing up as your authentic self because you're not fulfilled, it doesn't matter how much money you make. You're not successful. It doesn't. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter how big your house is, how fancy your cars are. if Your kids are going to private school. None of that stuff matters if your soul is not on fire. Because so you're, you're not going to be leaving the footprints for someone else to follow. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like so yeah, so, someone can pick up pick up and do your job. But again, what are you leaving behind? So just think about that. When you're getting getting ready in the morning, if you're not fired up to go in, then you have to do a self-assessment. Like, am I in the right field? It's like maybe I'm working with people, but maybe I need to work with people doing something different. Yeah. You know, it's like, those That's are the a people we would be question,
1: to get through too. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off, but it's such a powerful question to ask yourself. And the thing I love to do, the reason why I like started a business, the reason why I wrote a book is because I love to take these big ideas and then make them practical for people. I'm really good at like synthesizing a principle, like this ethereal, like non-tangible thing, like you know, ask, you want to leave a legacy. Okay, great. But how do you actually do that on a daily basis? So like, I want to give the audience that thing right now, because that to me is the best thing I always get out of these kind of podcasts when I listen to them is when somebody kind of breaks down and says, okay, yeah, I went figured out how to go from zero to a million dollars. And here's what I did every day, mm-hmm. right? Because it's those daily mm-hmm. actions that's going to help you figure it out. So a little thought experiment for the audience and I'll keep it quick. Dan Sullivan, he's a strategic coach is his company, but he's a guy who's worked with Peter Diamandis and just tons and tons of like millionaire, billionaire founders and creators and entrepreneurs. And he's just there. He's their strategic coach. He's got an amazing um, podcast you should check out as well. But he talks about what he calls the four freedoms that everybody is seeking, whether we know it or not. And if you actually can achieve these, that's what brings that fulfillment that you're seeking, that you're talking about. So what are the four freedoms? Freedom, of financial freedom, time freedom, location freedom, and relationship freedom. So basically you have enough money to do what you want. (laughs) You can live wherever you want. You can do the work whenever you want and with the people that you want to work with. So you can practically write those four things down and you can ask yourself the question, from where I sit today, What would I need to do to have more financial freedom in the next year, a year from now? And literally just work backwards from that. The first thing you should do is sit down and just free write. Like put on your jams, like put on some music that'll pump you up and get you into the right emotional state so you're not like hunched over and hand in head, head in hand and like depressed and stressed about it, you don't want to do it from that place. You want to do it from a place where you stand up and you're big and you feel pumped up and you're like, I'm designing the life I want to have right now. And you sit down, you free write on that question. What would it look like to have more financial freedom a year from now? What would it look like? What do I need to do to have more independence with my time, more freedom of my time? or more freedom of my location. And then the last one, who do I really wanna work with? What kind of freedom or freedom of relationships do I want? Do I wanna have a boss? Do I wanna have a business partner? Do I wanna have employees? And once you're done with that free writing, you've got this wealth of ideas, which is you. It's you on a page. This is your true essence. This is your spirit. This is your soul poured out on this page. So you can now analytically look at it and go, okay, I have this big vision for my life, how I want it to look like a year from now or six months from now or whatever time frame you choose. Now you can actually just start working your way back. Okay. For me to have more financial freedom, I need to make an extra thousand dollars a month. And maybe you wrote down in your free writing, well, I could start a side hustle. I could start selling something. I could drive Uber or Lyft or DoorDash. Mm -hmm. I could ask for a raise. I could work overtime. I could blah, 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 blah. You list out your 50 things that come to mind and no idea is a bad idea in this moment. Now you're going to go in and go, okay, which ones excite me? Which ones feel like they're pulling me to actually work on them? And maybe the Uber driver thing and the side business thing is not your jam. You don't want to be taking extra time. You don't want to be doing all this stuff. Okay, the thing that really comes to mind is I'm going to go and talk to my boss, not just ask for a raise, but say, I want to create more value for this company. And I want to be compensated for the value I create. So don't give me a raise, but give me a profit share of any new business I bring in. It's an idea, right? Anyone can take it and apply it to their situation. But all of a sudden, you're being active about the pl- putting a p- plan in place to create this reality for yourself a year out. You're going to have an extra $1,000 a month, or you're going to create a side business, or you're going to whatever your goals are. And you can do that for those four freedoms. And it's the point is not to say, I'm going to be completely free on all four of those levels a year from now. That's not, it's not unrealistic. There's plenty of people who have done it, but you don't want to give yourself goals that are going to stress you out and make you feel like (laughs) you didn't succeed because you didn't reach them a year from now. What these are, are goalposts. You're saying, I want to progress and I want to grow and I want to do more, become more, be more a year from now. And then next year you do the same process. All right. I got 80% of the way there. I got 150% of the way there, or I feel so much better because I have more freedom. It's a, it's a sliding scale, not a binary one or zero. You have freedom or you don't then you do it again. And you can do that every six months, every year, every three months, whatever you want to do. But then you work backwards from the goal to the point where you go, okay, here's what I need to be doing nine months out, six months out, three months out. And now you have a little bit more clarity because you can actually plan for the next three months. So here's what I want to do three months from now, two months from now, this month. Man, now, okay, now I know exactly what I want to do this month. Here's the three or four things I want to accomplish this month, one a week. Great, now I know this week I'm doing this, next week I'm doing that, et cetera, et cetera. What about this week? Man, I could plan out an hour a day or 30 minutes a day to work on this goal to create more freedom for myself in one of these four areas. Well, now you know what to do. You've worked backwards from the goal that you're optimizing for the outcome that matters to you of having more freedom. And you have a actionable thing you can do every single day. Some people call it a habit. James Clear calls them atomic habits because it's this compounding Mm -hmm. um, effect that happens when you start doing something day after day after day for a certain amount of time, it starts really growing. My personal example from the last six months or so is I wanted to write a book. I wanted to contribute in that way as an author. I wanted to take all these ideas that I talk about with my creative friends, put it into a book for anybody to read. And I said, well, you know what? I don't want to just sell a book because that's hard. And sometimes people don't want to buy a book. I'm going to write it for free. I'm going to publish the chapters as I write them. And the very first day that I wrote one, I had one subscriber. I had one email subscriber to my blog. And I can go back and look because I can see the progression. Every time I sent out a new chapter, it shows how many people I sent it to. Well, it was one. And then chapter two, I sent it to four people. And then chapter three, I sent it to nine people. And it took like a month and a half to break 100 people. But in the three-month period of time, I had hundreds of people signing up for this email list to read the book in real time. Now, these are people I can sell the book to. And it grew my social following as well. Cause I was tweeting about it every single day that I was writing the book. I was sharing my work and building in public two little habits, share on Twitter and write every day. Yeah. And in three months I had a 60,000 word book. I had hundreds of new followers and subscribers to my email list that I could directly message when the book comes out. And the book's not going to come out for another two, three months. So I still have two more months of that compounding to keep going and going and going. My goal is to get to a couple thousand by the time the book launches, not just a few hundred. And I'm on track to do that because of these daily habits. I said, six months from now, nine months from now, whatever it was, I want to be an author. And in 2022, I want to sell 2,500 books. That, That was my vision. I worked backwards to what's the daily action that I can take that's going to get me there almost inevitably because just like being on a path to a peak, if you just take steps every day you're ulti- you'll get there inevitably. It may take you a month, it may take you four hours. It depends on how often you stop and go, why am I not there yet?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I want to add I want to add one more freedom right So obviously financial time, location and relationship all spot on. but there's also community. You know, mm. it's also community so like what do you want to do in the community do you want to you want to you know volunteer your time do you want to coach a sports team do you want to speak to certain groups you know because that that matters as well because i Absolutely. would do i would do a lot more it's like i'm working on getting my online stuff automated i have a have a web uh, a website funnel being constructed as, as we speak and like once I get that going, I want to get back out into coaching athletes because I, I just love it. Like I'm an athlete myself. Yeah. And, you know, we're in this age now where we don't push the athletes the way I was pushed in my younger days. And I don't know if you were an athlete, but like we were pushed mm-hmm. a lot differently, you know, 30 <laughs> years ago yes. than now. And, and I find when I push the athletes, they want it. It's like they actually want that level of accountability. And I remember, this is even going back 20 years ago, in 2002, I coached the track team here in West Warwick. And when I first started, like the boys and the girls were practicing together. So I was hired as the boys' head coach. And so I went to the girls' team and said, all right, first order of business is we're separating the two teams. He's like, we don't need hormonal boys or hormonal girls practicing together. (laughs) Said So he's like, yeah, but he's like, you know, but that's the way we've always done it. And I was like, "What? what was your record last year? He was like, uh, one in 10, exactly. We yeah. are we are separating. And it's like, <laughs> I demanded report cards and like anyone that had anything below a C could not practice till I got a report from the teacher that they brought the grades up. And, and again, like, you know, parents were mad. You know, they were complaining to the athletic director. And, and I was like, people will work to the standard you set. I said, the standard here is super low and they're working to that super low standard. Mm-hmm. I said, so I am here to raise the standard. And so I was there for two years. We had back-to-back winning seasons. And when I left, people were in tears. <laughs> they were in absolute tears because I raised the bar. And then the students raised their level of intensity. They, they raised their level of care, their level of awareness. And we had, you know, some kids went on to the next level. I had some kids place all, all state and, you know, said some kids went on to do, do it in college who, when I first got there, they weren't even taking it seriously, and, and I just helped them unlock, and you said the word earlier, possibilities. You know, like mm-hmm. if you take this serious and you put forth the effort, you have possibilities. You know, it's like you could possibly get a scholarship and save your parents some money. I'm like think mm-hmm. about that. You know, it's like two years ago, you weren't thinking about that. And now here we are. You, yes. This one's getting a full ride to this college. This one's getting a partial ride to this college. And we had one of our hammer throwers get a full ride to Syracuse University talking that's like a $35,000 a year school all all because she threw a metal ball farther than anyone else (laughs) you know but like we just gave her that insight that this is what's possible if you take this serious that's
1: amazing and you for the audience listening that's such a there's a place that you can always look for opportunity and that's in that seven word phrase that you said that's the way we've always done it (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or that's the way it's always (laughs) been done. Anytime you hear that in your job, in your life, in your community, in your interactions with other people, that is an opportunity right there because that is showing that someone has a limiting mindset, that they're not willing to challenge the status quo. They're not willing to ask, can this be better? Can this be improved? They're sitting there as the artist, as that creator mindset and going, well, this is the way I've always done it. I've always just shown up every day and done my work and gone home. Okay. Okay but the business is going under. <laughs> okay, but that's the way we've always exactly. done it. Well, you know, we've always used a fax machine. As long as I've been here, we've always used a fax machine. So that's the way we've always done it. No, that's, that's where innovation happens. That's where opportunities are created. Yes. So you could look in your own life and your business, your company, your employer, whatever it may be, where are people saying or showing with their actions? This is just the way it's always been done and that's a place where you can show up and go you know what i know this job i've been doing it for 2 5 10 years i can create opportunity whether it's just more leverage for yourself by saying i'm going to improve this and i'm going to capture some of the upside from being the person who improved it or whether you're saying i'm i think there's an opportunity for an extra for an outside business for this you know how many businesses started in the last 20 years based off of someone who was doing a spreadsheet every day <laughs> if if you're doing something in a spreadsheet every day, there's a business there. So you look for those opportunities and it's the opportunities where you can then start to create that freedom that you want. And I love that you added community. I think I would probably put that under or within relationships, but highlighting it is so important because the more that you can build an audience and a community around the thing that you're doing, the more people it's going to benefit because you could just sit in a cabin and write, Prose for hours a day and send it off to somewhere. I mean, you look at the guys. This is a great example for my sphere of influence, right? So you have uh, I don't know, a dozen really well-known film directors, Edgar Wright and Ryan Johnson, and people that are on Twitter and they talk about their movies all the time. And they have audiences in the millions of people who follow them online because they want to actually engage with and interact with these directors who are creating these movies and these experiences that are life-changing Yeah. but then you got people like christopher nolan who is just kind of off in a corner and making movies every two years and releases them to a ton of fanfare and then goes away for another two years and i love them equally as far as their movies go but i feel a direct connection to ryan johnson to uh edgar wright to some of these directors that are on twitter who i have Messaged and interacted with, and tweeted back and forth with, and DM'd like Christopher McQuarrie, who did all the Mission Impossible movies, the last two mm-hmm. movies. He's an amazing director, and he has talked to me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like that's awesome, right? I don't have that relationship, so we're talking about freedom and relationships. It's not just who do you want to work with, but what size and what type of audience, and how do you want to contribute to that audience. That's an area of freedom: your ability to show up how you want to show up contribute the way that you want to contribute to not just yourself, your own life, your family, your partner and your kids and your parents and your neighborhood and your community. But like, how big do you want that sphere of influence to be? How many people do you want to be able to reach? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Is it just for your kids? Is it for an audience of a thousand people, a million people, a billion people? Mm -hmm. Some people have those grander things. I don't necessarily need a billion people to know who yeah. I am and that I exist. I would rather Actually, not have Me, me neither. <laughs> You know, give me a couple thousand that I can reach and I can get to the end of my career and say, look, I touched the lives of 100,000 creators and helped them go from four-figure months to five-figure months or five-figure a year to six-figure a year. That's
0: life-changing. Yeah, and those people will never, ever forget you. Right. Never, ever, ever. But in, even in just the fitness sphere. sphere, Like I've had, I've had people that have moved away to other states. And they'll still inbox me now and be like, I haven't found anything like what you have up there, you know, with your group of people and things like, like that, like that's the stuff that touches your soul. And, you know, so you helping someone, you know, double, triple, quadruple their, their incoming, that's life-changing. And just, just as you said, and, that's how you leave things behind. And then even more so, if you teach them how to teach others, that still stems from your sphere of influence. It's like, I helped this person who is now helping other people. Like, that's that's amazing. And everybody, every single person on this planet has the capability to do that. It's like, once we realize that we were all here, like we're all design, creative, wherever you think we came from, with unique gifts, with unique skill sets. Uh, that's why some of us can sing. Some of us can dance. Some of us can produce. Some of us can act. Some of us can write. You know, there's so many different things. Like, I'm a, I'm a decent writer, but I'm a better speaker. And there are people who goes, you know, vice versa. They're, they're a great writer, but they're petrified of being on camera. That's okay. Step into your strength. Step into your gift. Step into your greatness. And you said the words again, show up you know, it's how you show up. If you want to get into these other people's circles, it's how you show up. So I found there was an influencer here in in Rhode Island and I started following her on YouTube. Like I joined her, her uh, private community and I just showered her with love and support, showered her with love and support. And then she featured me on her show, you know? And so I'm not like huge into the online following per se it's like like I'm not trying to just like you said I don't need a million a billion a billion followers I just need a handful of people that believe in what I'm doing and so it was just the fact that I kept myself on her radar so when she launched a new podcast and she's got a decent following like she could have picked anyone to be the first guest on her show and she picked me and I even said that to her on the episode. I was like, you you could have picked people with far bigger reaches. I said, but I showed up to you authentically and you connected with me. And that's why you gave me that opportunity. You know, so we can talk about that another time. So I want to <laughs> get into your craftsman creative. So how did you come about making it and just... Talk to me about how you got it to come into existence.
1: Definitely. And I I probably have to go in about five minutes. So I'll keep this okay. version short. Okay. <laughs> um, apologies. I always want to try to stick around, but I have meetings today with the movie. <laughs> no problem. So Craftsman Creative, like, like I said, came out of that time when I got furloughed from the TV show. And what I realized was that I wanted to do something to show creators how they could approach their business differently in times of uncertainty, like we were in. So I created two of my own courses. One was about how to make something, about how to do creative work at a professional level. And the other one I released for free back then, it was called What To Do Now. <laughs> so it was okay. literally like, <laughs> here's the foundation for a creative business. Like, create. here's the financial side, create an email list, have a landing page, have an offer, have, a, have something that people can buy and send people to that thing, you know, consistently and figure out how to automate it and that kind of stuff. Yes. So that was the start of it. But then you know I quickly realized that wasn't going to be a huge moneymaker because I didn't have a big audience. And those are my limiting beliefs coming out at the time. But that's what I believe. Yeah. So I went out and I found some other creators that I knew. And they had 10 or 15 or 20,000 person audiences where I had 1,000. I said, look, I'll make a course for you. And all you have to do is show up, help me, and I'll help you with the content. We'll film it. I'll produce it, film it, edit it, host it, put it on the website, handle payments, handle the customer service, all that stuff. And we'll just do a simple 50, 50 split on the back end. And it worked. The first person that I worked with, she did $10,000 in her first week of sales. She's since wow. done another 15. Like the business itself has done nearly a hundred thousand dollars in sales in under two years. And we're on track to do six figures this year alone, because now we have systems for marketing and advertising and, creating more and doing bigger launches and all that stuff so that's where that came from but the book is an extension of that business because it started as just an online course thing and i realized i was um i had too big of a gap between where people could like become aware of me and that i was doing this work and trying to help creatives to becoming a customer because the cheapest course on the site was like 129 or 149 and a lot of people aren't ready to invest 150 or even in a course from someone that they personally don't know. So these creators had success selling to their audiences. But as soon as people were coming through me, it was too big of a gap. So I said, all right, I need to figure out a way to reach more people, get the information and the ideas and the principles in front of them in a way that is more accessible. So that's where the book came from. And I wrote the book over three months last fall from August to November I have the last two months I've been working with an editor. We have a draft ready to go. I've got it in front of beta readers right now, and it'll be released in probably April. Um, But the whole point of that book was the information wants to be free. The information should be free. I shouldn't have it behind a paywall where you have to spend 15 or 10 or 20 bucks to buy a book. So what I did was I wrote it in public. I published the chapters as I wrote them. They were fairly unedited first draft type chapters. Mm -hmm. And I used that to grow the initial audience. And what it did was it made the book available to anyone who wanted to read it. So I've had hundreds of people read the book already before it's actually released. (laughs) And when I launch the book, when I release it, I'll charge people for the format, but not for the content. So the content will always be free. But if you want digital copies or an audio book, you can pay for that. If you want a paperback or a hardback, if you want to join the community, if you want a course version, if you want consulting and coaching, I have all those things available but the information, the foundational principle stuff that we've talked about today will always be free. So that's all at blog.craftandcreative.co is the website for that. And you can go there, you can sign up and get notified when the book comes out. Um, I write a weekly newsletter that I send out to all the subscribers there that really is just about how to master the creator economy. It's how do you think like a business owner instead of just like a creator? It's how do you make that mindset shift and progress and grow in that way? So Yeah, not www.blog, but just creative. Because you do that and Safari or Chrome is going to be like, what? All right.
0: But yeah, this has been
1: just such a great time chatting with you. I hope we can stay connected because I love your energy and what you're bringing to the world and the way that you're showing up and contributing to this audience that you're building. And man, I can't wait to come back, you know, whether it's six months from now, a year from now, and see all the massive growth that you're going to experience because you're putting in... You're, this is episode 205. Yes. Like some people give up after six or 10. So you're going 200 strong, man. You, you're you building this massive audience and it's going to explode. I can't wait for you.
0: Thank you. Appreciate that. And, and yeah, like, I de- definitely want to get you back on to talk more specifically about this Craftsman Creative, because as I was looking through it, I was like, it's it's a great it's a great idea. <laughs> you know, re- really is to get other creators involved on your platform. And just even go, if you just go back through my other 204 episodes, there's probably a lot of people who can benefit from this platform. So I'll definitely have you on again. Maybe we'll do like a 30, 45 five minute feature and just talk about the benefits of being on that platform if uh, you want to do that.
1: Absolutely. I have awesome. to run. Yeah, I know. Dude, I thank know. you so much. This was amazing. I All really right, appreciate awesome. the time.
0: All right. I'll be in touch. Hey,
1: okay, man. Take care.
0: All right. You too. Bye. Bye. All right. That was Darren. We were talking about the three personas every creative business owner needs. And this was a really great conversation. So make sure you go back and listen to the whole thing if you haven't already, because you're going to get a lot, a lot of good out of it. I got a whole page full of notes over here. And he just brought a lot of energy and a lot of knowledge and his expertise to the show. So hope you guys got a lot out of this. I'll be back again tomorrow. I think I'm here, here this whole week, actually. So You guys are not going to get enough of me. (laughs) Take it easy. You've been
1: listening to Shut Up and Grind.